360 degrees. Hi, hi, 360 degrees. Hi, hi, 306. 306. 360 degrees. Hi, hi. All right, miyuyam, miyuyam, cho onam, and mokiyam to full circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA. This is Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And this week on Full Circle, we will take it to the rock, Alcatraz, as indigenous people gather for the annual Sunrise Gathering. On tonight's show, we'll hear some voices from the island as thousands of people honored, memorialized, and mourned the day. We'll also be joined by our special guest you met a couple weeks ago, Palestinian-American activist Layla Darwish. She will reflect on the past few days with me and offer some Palestinian resistance songs all that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Freebo and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory, territory of the Hupan and Ompen people. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Again, Namokium to Full Circle, the weekly show produced hosted and engineered by graduates and apprentices of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am your host tonight, Natung Frank Sterling Jr. Yaka. And tonight I'm joined by a new friend to the show, Layla Darwish. She is a Palestinian-American activist and organizer. She's based down near Fresno, near our sister station, KFCF. And Layla is going to sit in with me tonight and kind of co-host the show by providing some beautiful Palestinian resistance music. Uh, welcome to KPFA, or welcome back, I should say, and back to Full Circle, Layla. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and um, I really appreciate all that you do. Um, so how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back from Alcatraz and to get ready to share these beautiful voices and sounds we got for the listeners tonight. And I thank you for coming back because I think it's important to have the voices of Palestinians with us um, in this important time, of course, while we can. Yeah, now is the time. Well, before we get into the main part of tonight's show, the sounds I brought from Alcatraz and the music you were going to provide, um, let me get your feelings, you know, what's transpired over the last 72 hours, the last week, or even last since we spoke. There's a ceasefire that's going into effect. I say that with air quotes. Um, there's been a prisoner exchange, 24 released by Hamas, 39 released by Israel. And yes, for everyone out there, I chose my language carefully, as I know the media out here often or always says hostages and prisoner exchange. But why do we call the people held in Israeli prisons, these political prisoners, these hostages, why do we always call them prisoners? And Hamas has released numerous statements saying that settlements, including all settlements deemed illegal under international law, are illegal. 
They also state that settlers and armed settlers that lived in those illegal settlements are not considered civilians, especially when they torment, abuse, and even often kill Palestinians. So I make that long-winded statement to say, I'm going to call it a prisoner swap for now. Um, Layla, how are you feeling about what has transpired, you know, either since the last time we talked, the last 72 hours, you know, what do you see happening after this four-day ceasefire? Um, I understand the demands are always and always have been um, since this has recently started for a permanent ceasefire, and I know that probably has not changed, but where do you see things standing right now, in your opinion, as a Palestinian-American? Again, as I mentioned in the last show, that I don't fully stand with a ceasefire because a ceasefire, to me, is just a temporary fix. It's like a Band-Aid. It's like a pause. It's not a real end to the genocide and the occupation and the siege. So um, I could tell you that I'm not celebrating. I'm still grieving. I'm still hurt by all the images that I'm seeing of what's happening in my country all throughout Palestine from the river to the sea. Um, I can't even imagine how the prisoners must feel and the families because I'm sure they're feeling an amalgamation of different emotions. Um, Firstly, I don't think that all prisoners will be celebrating given the fact that thousands of Palestinians have been annihilated and murdered by the brutal Israeli occupation. But I think that some of them may feel a little bittersweet to get to be home and and be embraced by their family members. Um, But it's such a tough, tough one to just even, it's a a whole range of different emotions. So again, I, I won't be celebrating, I won't be happy until Palestine is completely liberated. And there's a complete total end to the occupation and an end to the siege in Gaza. Definitely. And um, that's the voice of my special guest. I'm going to say slash co-host tonight, Layla Darwish. She's a Palestinian American. She's an activist and she's going to stick with me tonight and host this show, providing some special music selections um, for our music breaks tonight. Again, thank you for that, Layla. I appreciate your input. I'm glad you're here to kind of clear things up for people. What a ceasefire means. It's just temporary, and it's been ongoing, as we know, for 70-plus years. Um, well, let's move on and get into you know what we planned out for tonight. So my first segment I'm going to share with you tonight, Layla. I want to take us to Alcatraz yesterday for the Indigenous Peoples Day of Thanksgiving, or Unthanksgiving, as many call it. Um, The whole day, just about every speaker connected the Native American experience to the Palestinian experience. The Native Americans from Turtle Island here in the U.S., Canada, and South America globally have always stood arm-in-arm with the Palestinians and their plight as we have almost all suffered under this settler colonialism. So this gathering on Alcatraz yesterday was no different, but even more heightened due to the ongoing... um, the bombardment of Gaza, and of course, this temporary ceasefire. Um, But as we know, the bombs will return. So um, let me kick off this one um, with our elders and one of our leaders from Alcatraz. This is Bill Means. This is recorded yesterday on the Rock Alcatraz Island. We'll ask for Bill Means to come up if he's ready. Bill Means is a board member with the International Indian Treaty Council 
We're honored to have them here and gather on the island with us. So, thank you, Bill. I mean, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, to you all, and we say, uh, say that in our Lakota language, because today is a good day. And uh, we come here to celebrate Mother Earth. We come here to give thanks to, to our mother for all the things she provided. Even though we have uh, a lot of problems in the world, Mother Earth presides over all those things. And so when you get up in the morning like this and say uh, a prayer, they're a lot stronger, my grandfather used to say, because that's when the spirits are still moving around. That's when they're out for the evening, trying to take care of their people through the spirit world. So uh, I'm glad to be here. And of course, I want to give a, a solidarity why I wear this scarf on behalf of the Palestinian people. Philistina, Philistina, Philistina. We say that on behalf of Palestine. We say that we're, because we support the human rights in Palestine does not mean that we're anti-Jewish. It means that we're pro-human rights. It means that we're pro-children. And so one of the greatest things to for a veteran not to see is the suffering of children. So those of us who were part of wars of various places in the history of the United States, we know what it is when you see the children suffering. We know what it is when you see your friend that you spent all your time with laying next to you with no life in him that you have to carry him to the chopper in a body bag. We know what that looks like and what it feels like. Stays with you the rest of your life. So war is not the answer. Sometimes I wonder if uh, war is about who kills the most babies. And uh, it seems like that's where we're stuck at right now because they're even bombing the hospitals. And who's the majority of people in the hospital? It's young people. And so uh, we pray for those victims of war. But also we have to remember, we come from the stars, the Lakota people. We're put in the wind cave. That's where our creation story comes from. So the Black Hills means as much to Lakota as Jerusalem means to Christians, Muslims, and Jews. And so you remember, when you hear about the Black Hills, it's never been for sale. and never will be on the market for the corporations to continue to exploit the gold and silver and minerals within those mountains. And so we come here today to renew our respect for the Black Hills, 
to be with our relatives here, to pray for the children of Palestine. We come here to remember our own history, that we too have a mass grave on our reservation at a place called Wounded Knee. And we went there in 1973 to remember our relatives. And we stayed there for 71 days in confrontation and battle with the United States government. And some of us remain very, very proud of that time in 1973. 51 years ago will be in, in February, this coming February. So we send a message of solidarity to all of you, but also to remember the unborn generations. What kind of a Mother Earth are we going to leave for them? What kind of uh, relationships are we going to have with our relatives? Are we all going to be engaged in some kind of a war? Are we going to be down for respecting Mother Earth? So those are our choices. Either we respect Mother Earth and live on or continue to destroy ourselves in the belly of the monster of war. So I say to you that we fight for peace. We're not a warlike people. We only get warlike when we defend our land, defend our ceremonial ways, our language. So those of you that still know your language, please, please keep that alive because there are people around Mother Earth in particular, I call attention to the Maoris and Hawaiians and the island people are in the process of restoring their language because, like us, it was taken to us to, from us in boarding schools and the educational institutions of the United States where they tried to edit Indians out of existence. And so on this Thanksgiving Day, we ask you to remember all people that believe in peace, that believe in Mother Earth, and give thanks because in spite of our problems, we still have to remember Tokashila, the great spirit, the great mystery, because he still provides a way for us. He still provides the bountiful <laughs> measures of our wealth to Mother Earth. So I thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and have a very, very happy and fruitful thanksgiving. Or as my sister Pat Bellinger used to say, happy thanks-taking. Aho, pilama apolo. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA and kpfa.org. That was Native American elder... Uh, Bill Means speaking on Alcatraz the Rock yesterday at the Unthanksgiving Day or the Indigenous Peoples Day of Thanksgiving um, held annually on the island. And um, let me bring in my um, special guest slash co-host tonight, uh, Layla Darwish. Uh, Layla, what do you think um, when you hear uh, Bill Means speak and connect the dots, you know, in solidarity with the Palestinian people? There's really nothing I could say that wasn't relatable to what he said. You know, we are warriors of the land only when we are resisting and defending the land. Um, I can't even describe how when I first went to Palestine, 
how I immediately connected with the land. There's just like a draw, an energy that connects you to the beauty of your ancestral land. So that's a huge something I could relate to to Native Americans, indigenous peoples is just the connection that we have to the land and the love that we have to our land. Um, he touched upon so many things that, you know, he talked about the preservation of the language. For example, you know, me, I speak in the Falahi dialect, the dialect that my parents speak and that my ancestors have spoken. For a long time, I tried to cover it up and speak the Medini dialect, which is a more modernized version of Arabic that people from cities tend to speak. And then uh, one day I decided, you know what, I, I love the language that I speak. If anything, when I speak my dialect, it becomes very, people become very happy to hear words that they haven't heard in such a long time. So I, I also related to that. And I encourage people to learn their language and learn their culture and learn their ancestral ways of living and learn how to go back to the basics of cultivating their land. Um, you get so much more out of it. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Definitely. Well, thank you for those words. And I'm glad I got to share that with you. And a reminder, if you want to hear the entire um, three-hour broadcast, you can go to kpfa.org and scroll back uh, to Thursday. And it started at 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. Well, I'm so excited about your language as well. Why don't you tell us the song that you are going to pick for us, and then you could introduce it in English, and then maybe you could introduce it in your um, your native dialect. So the first song we could play is called Zarif al-Tul, uh, since it talks about, since um, we just talked about defending the land and and warriors and, you know, things of that nature. Zarif al-Tul is a Palestinian folklore that was written many, many years ago. There, I don't have the correct date on it, but Zarif al-Tul basically symbolizes a very handsome Palestinian man who was strong and followed the Palestinian culture to a T. Um, it's also a love story, and it's a sad one. In the end, Zarif al who defends his land in a mysterious way um, and in the most noble way, never reappears, and no one ever knows where he came. But, you know, the lyrics go, you're going to Raihabladak, but don't forget, you're going to, don't forget your homeland, pretty much. If you're going to go to the West, don't forget about us. Don't forget about the people who love you. And don't forget about our homeland. So that's the first uh, one I wanted you to talk about and play. And it, it is in my dialect, actually. The song is in my Falahi dialect, which I'm very proud of. You are now going to listen to Zarif al a very popular and uh, long-going Palestinian folklore song. Hit it.
We're back. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. That was, let me do my best here, Yarza Reap Atul. Good job. Hey, that was chosen by my uh, special guest and my slash co-host tonight, Layla Darwish. Well, thank you for that beautiful song. That was uh you know, quite um, energetic and moving. I, I enjoyed it very much. Tell us a little bit more about it and, you know, how it kind of makes you feel good. <laughs> it really does make me feel good because, you know, a lot of us being refugees and being having no choice but to be expelled from our homes and from our countries. Um, and the song talks about a handsome, you know, Zarif means handsome and Atul means tall. And uh, being a strong warrior but someone who needs to travel to bring in money but yet defend his country and the you hear the women singing it that's another interesting point it's not men that are that are singing it it's a woman singing it it's you get the sense that it's from a song it's a love song or if it's a song that's coming from a mother singing to her son you know if you if you go to the west make sure you don't forget about us make sure we don't uh, separate and you remember the homeland and you come back and may God bring us back together all together again. And it's being sung in my dialect. So I feel a strong connection to the song and I love all the variations of this song. And um, a quick side note, I sent you that little clip um, from Alcatraz yes. yesterday. Tell me about um, how it made you feel um, just for you all listeners. Yesterday I sent uh, Layla a little clip of the Palestinian uh, dancers who uh, danced for us at Alcatraz and that song played in the background. So how was that for you to see that on represented on Alcatraz and to hear that song? It made me really happy and it gave me all the feels just hearing Zarif Atul being played in such a, you know, spiritual time and just, you know, the version that was being played is also one that I really like. And that one is uh, performed by 47 Soul. And it's uh, being sung in Arabic and in English. And I don't know if there's another language. I can't quite recall. But yeah, there's some English and then in Arabic. And I just, I, I felt really appreciative, appreciative, um, loved. And I felt such a strong connection. You know, just it's something that brings us together. Well, good, good. I'm glad I was able to get that to you. And um, thanks for uh, sharing the song with us and its meaning. I really appreciate that. And it, it just kind of, like you said, does help bring us together and to to see ourselves as um, partners in life, as, you know, individuals on this earth that are connected. All right. Well, again, thank you. Um, that's Layla Darwish. She's going to be with us for the remainder of the show. I'm going to go to this next clip back to the rock, uh, back to Alcatraz Island. Um, yesterday as uh, Stan Rodriguez um, gave a pretty moving speech and he also touched on language. So it was very moving to me as someone that's trying to learn my native language. So I'll play this clip from The Rock and we'll be right back. At this time, we're going to have Stan Rodriguez and the Kumeyaay bird singers come up. Stan traveled up from Kumeyaay territories um, with his family and with his crew to be here with us this morning. So thank you to him. Oh, God. Stan Rodriguez, we're not to him. You're my co-pilot. We're going to 
Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Stan Rodriguez. I am from the Santa Isabel Band of the Ipai Nation. Represent one of the 12 Kumeyaay bands in San Diego and four Kumeyaay bands in Baja California, Mexico. And I just wanted to say, welcome to this place at this time. All of us have come here from many different areas, from many different places. <clears throat> Our people, like all of us here, have endured numerous waves of encroachment. With us, first the Spaniards who came in 1542 into San Diego. Then they came back in 1769 to put a mission. In the history books, it says the native California people are peaceful and non-warlike. Well, I guess we didn't get the memo because we attacked that mission, burned it to the ground, dragged Father Jaime out, and we turned them into a grease spot. After that, our people pushed. When Mexico obtained independence, they were going to secularize the land that the Spaniards had, but they didn't do it. They wanted to give it to Spaniards who were born in Mexico. Our peoples fought again, almost pushed the Mexicans out of San Diego three times. Then the Mexican-American War came. The American people, they created, under Governor Barnett, a policy of genocide towards our people. Many people were lost, but we still fought, and we fight today. Ladies and gentlemen, you hear people who speak their languages. When we speak our language, that is resistance. When we continue with our ceremonies, that is resistance. When we sing our songs and do our dances, that is resistance. How many of you do not speak your language, but you want to? You are pieces of wood that once lit, you will glow brightly. You can do this. You have the ability. Our ancestors look down upon each and every one of you. And they want you to embrace this. They do not want any of us to forget who we are. <clears throat> when this takeover happened here at Alcatraz, one of the things that was wanted was to make a college, educational facilities, because the way our history was taught was a lie. When the people left here, they took over an abandoned Army Communication Center, which became DQ University. 
DQ created satellites on different reservations, and when DQ lost its accreditation, there was one satellite that decided to go on its own and continue with the policy or practice of decolonization. And that turned into Kumeyaay Community College in San Diego. I was a student at DQ in 1975. And now I'm president of Kumeyaay Community College. I am here with my daughter, my son, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchild. I remember coming around Alcatraz when it was taken over. I was 12 years old. That fire that we have here, it continues to glow brightly. I wanted to say, before we sing this song, my greatest, my greatest joy is to hear when our young people speak our language. Raymond, makanapa mi yuwit. Aga ipin my nyai mi yuwit na chuhi makapai wishkanan nyai chesh kwatai esper puk na chesa pii and before we start, I want to bring up one more person. She is Mayan from Guatemala, who speaks her language. And I, she married into the Kumeyaay people. So her children have many languages to learn. So I'm going to bring her up here. Him Ian Schwin, Chital in Kulan, Egg in Havetohan, Tral and Ayinve, Tral and Incomas and Il, Salak Ulal, Chico Ectiti, Ayilto Vehaba. Oh, hey. All right. Now we're going to sing this song. And what this song talks about. As this tells the world, this land, we belong to this land. You know it. We all belong to this land. Do not try to move us off. We are not leaving. We will never leave. And to our relatives in Palestine, our prayers go out to you. It's like Mr. Mean said, we are not anti-Jewish. We're pro-human rights, and all of us have the right to live. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA and kpfa.org. That was Stan Rodriguez giving his speech uh, from The Rock yesterday. Um, welcome back to my special guest, uh, Leila Darwish, um, what do you think hearing those traditional languages? It was beautiful. Again, it's uh, I, I couldn't help but nod when he said 
your language is your resistance. And I couldn't express that enough because it's something that I, I say too. Speaking my dialect in its original form, the way it was spoken to me by my mother and father, is a form of resistance. Wearing my traditional thob is my form of resistance. Eating and making and preparing my traditional food is my form of resistance. And living on the land of my ancestors and fighting for it is a form of my resistance. So all very relatable and strong words. Definitely. And um, I'm going to throw it back to you for uh, another song and um, tell us what we're going to hear. So the next song is called Wen El Malayin, which means Where Are the Millions? This song was uh, sung by the one that you're going to play is a shorter version. The original version is 10 minutes long and it's sung by Julia Butros, who is originally from Lebanon. Uh, but the original song that was sung, that was 10 minutes long, was sung by her, Julia Butros, Amal al-Arafi, who's from Syria, and Sosan al-Hamami, who's from Tunisia. And it was written and composed by Ali al-Kilani, a poet and composer from al-Qaddafi's native town of Sirta. And its first ever broadcast was on Libya's Jenna Jemhariyin Arab Network. All right, we'll um, we'll hit the song and we'll catch you on the other side. Stay tuned to Full Circle right here on KPFA. Welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. 
and I'd like to bring back uh, my special guest, Layla Darwish. Um, Where are the millions? That was a powerful song. Uh, Tell us some of the important lyrics to that song, Layla. That song is so strong and it's so powerful. It just makes you want to go out there and resist and fight for your rights and and um, it's the thing that's beautiful about it is it's ri- it's not even written by Palestinian. It's written by it was written by people who supported our cause, the other Arab nations. Believe it or not, even though we feel like the Arab leaders have turned their backs on us, the people are much different than their leaders. And what it means is, where are the millions? Where are the millions of Arabs who are supposed to support the Palestinians? This was written during the first Intifada. And uh, she basically is saying that we're stronger than mountains. We are the fire, the revolution that gets stronger and stronger. My chest is like strong as a, you know, there's a machine gun in my chest. Nothing can be stronger than that. And, uh, you know, she's saying like, right, right, oh, historian, that we have faith in our revolution. And the way it said was like, you know, you better believe that this is who we are. This is where we're coming from. And this is what you need to hear. And she calls out Zionists. You know, she says, God is with us stronger and greater than than any son of a Zionist. You can kill us, strangle us, bury us in our graves, but we'll still not leave our land. We'll still fight for our land. And, you know, that you could get the lyrics of this song and this on YouTube, of course, and you can read along with it. And I, I hope everybody likes it as much as I do. It's pretty, it's, it's an anthem. I mean, we even play these songs in our weddings. Wow, well, thank you for that information. Yeah, I did also check out the um, extended version, and it is a beautiful song, very powerful, and um, it just keeps you going, keeps you going. And unfortunately, we are starting to run out of time. I got so many clips that I want to play and won't be able to get to, but I want to remind everybody that the Alcatraz um, Sunrise Gathering from the Indigenous Peoples Day of Thanksgiving um, is posted on the kpfa.org website. Um, Just uh, go to the archives, go back to November 23rd, and it aired 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., and you could hear all these um, beautiful speeches. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the show tonight, everything um, from the Indigenous people of Turtle Island yesterday on Alcatraz was related to, connected to our Palestinian brothers and sisters. And that's why I'm glad and I was honored and glad that you um, accepted the invitation, uh, Layla, to join me tonight um, to talk about this together, you know, just kind of reflect on where we've been. Um, You know, these last few weeks have been uh, traumatizing, have been a struggle. And um, I appreciate your time um, speaking with us. This is your second time being here with us you know, to help, you know, kind of uh, give it some context and some the other side of the story that we're not getting here. So let me thank you. And I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate you giving me this platform and you giving me the voice that has been silenced so much everywhere, even from people that you think that, you know, I thought supported Palestine. You know, sometimes that ends up not being the case. So the fact that you're giving me this platform to share my beautiful culture and to even find relations between our culture, the indigenous Native American culture and my own, it's really something beautiful. It's very special. And I'm glad that we're in this fight together. Definitely. We are. I will say that right now. 
And um, again, I thank you for joining us tonight. And um, as we know, by listening to the Alcatraz Sunrise Gathering or gatherings, you know, throughout the years, um, this struggle is not isolated to Native Americans in here in Turtle Island, the United States. It's not isolated to Palestine. It's a settler colonial battle all over the globe um, to maintain indigenous uh, resistance to that settler colonialism um, is what we try to do and to amplify here. And uh, going out on that note, I'm going to uh, turn it over to a familiar voice that many of you may remember, J.R. of the Block Report uh, Radio, and he recently spoke to Madame Mildred Aristide, and she is the former First Lady of Haiti and member of the Board of, the board of Administration of the University of the Dr. Aristide Foundation, and they're going to talk about uh, her work in Haiti with the university and the hospital and they're also going to talk about U.N. intervention, um, some call it invasion, um, approved in October and how this will affect Haiti. So, again, let me say goodbye to you, uh, Layla Darwish. I appreciate your time. Um, thank you very much. Thank you once again. And thank you to all the listeners and supporters of this station. And uh, I'll throw this over to Jr. And my last words um, will be to... Um, let you all know that we'll post the playlist uh, to tonight's songs on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, good night, Layla. Enjoy the song. Thank you. All right. Let's throw it over to J.R. Valray, Block Report Radio, and his interview with Madame Mildred Aristide, the former First Lady of Haiti. Miss Aristide, it's an honor to have you here. I've listened to your speech. One of the things that you talked about was education. What is the relationship between decolonization, liberation, and education in Haiti's respect? Decolonization, if you know, some describe or, or uh, define decolonization as really as a failure to see self. When a person is colonized, you don't see yourself. And what we endeavor and what we do at UNIPA is to make our students see themselves as they are, dignified human beings, able to do, able to stand on their own, able to learn, able to find their way in life, to give them the means with which to, to find their way in life. And that is a process of decolonization, making them understand and, 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 and embrace their humanity. One of the things that you've talked about and other decolonizing leaders like Gaddafi talked about was the brain drain that developing nations deal with because um, their brightest brains want to go to the, to the colonial master countries where they can get make a good living. How does Haiti fight against something like that? I know that it's a concern. You brought it up in your speech a little bit. How does the colonized world, as well as Haiti, who is de decolonizing itself and developing itself, how do you deal with a phenomenon like that? You know, as I said in my, in my talk, at an individual level, you cannot tell a person to not leave Haiti, given the extreme dangers that are presenting. But if we were able, and if we could, multiply the number of UNIFAs by 12, one in each department, at least, of the country, that's how you counter by showing and presenting an image of hope of what is positive, despite the 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 the, the, uh, the obstacles that are in face, it's to demonstrate the possible, and I think that that's what we do. And every year we make it a point to to um, 
to publicize our graduation, for instance. It's, it's, it's broadcast live on all the national media because it is important to see, yes, this can be done and that leaving is not the only option. But again, I do not fault, I do not blame those who choose for their reasons, but I encourage and we encourage the masses to stay by giving them an alternative and say, this is what is possible in Haiti. And this is what you can do if we stay and if we all stay, this is what we can do together. Wait, on the second, after the second, um, after the second exile that you and your husband were forced to experience, you came back and built a university. What was your role in it? And what do you see your role in Haitian politics being, be it that you're from the Bronx and, and you married the Haitian, uh, Haitian freedom fighter and former president, but how do you see yourself? And can you speak to what was your role in the building of that university? Well, you know, I'm a good soldier. You know, when he, when we came back in 2011, he said immediately, we have to, we have to, we're going to reopen UNITA in September. And I surely thought he meant September of the following year, but he said, no, 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 this year, 2011. And so, you know, we did what it takes. We, you know, what it means, you know, I, I can't even define what my, my you know, job description is because it's a little bit of everything. But basically, it's to support the work that our students are doing, our professors are doing, and to come here to the United States because, as you said, born in the Bronx, so I can speak the language. So I have an obligation to explain to you what UNIFA is because you're faced with a bombardment of information about Haiti this, Haiti that, poorest country of the Western Hemisphere, gangs this, gang and it's my moral obligation to explain what is going on and that there is another way. As I said, it does not have to be a sole conversation about security forces, troops, foreign troops, intervention. No, there is another dialogue that is going on in Haiti, and that needs to be reinforced. And I do what I need to do in order to support Hat Hat. Can you speak to, can you speak to, um, what you guys, are, what, what the school has been able to accomplish with helping to build the hospital and how many of the graduates are involved and teachers, what is going on? What is the, what is the hospital project and what's going on and what's its relationship to the school in Haiti? Okay, so this, the hospital construction began in 2019. Maxine Waters helped us break ground on the construction and from the get-go, the construction design was by someone at UNIFA. The engineer who was in charge, a civil engineer in charge of all the construction, was a teacher at UNIFA. The agronomist who helped create the space, the green space, was UNIFA. So UNIFA was absolutely involved in all of the work. And students would come by as the construction was going forward, engineering students, to see and to explain, well, this is the, the mix. And I'm not an engineer, but... You know, the process was being shown to the students. And our students in health sciences will do their practical training at our hospital. We already have several of our nurses graduates who are working in the hospital. We have, as of this year, I think it's two of our graduates from the School of Administration who are working at the front admissions office. And we have graduated now since... 2011, when we came back from exile and we reopened, we've graduated 1,176 students. And we're on course again this year. The academic year has started. The situation in Haiti is difficult. There are a lot of students who unfortunately have left the country, some of the teachers, but we're on course to have a successful academic year with the support that they're getting from the Bay Area, from HERF, from Haiti Action. Really, you know, it is, it is, it is, takes a village. 
it certainly has taken a village to uh, create UNIFA. Two more questions. One, in October earlier this month, um, the UN basically authorized an intervention or so-called intervention, basically an invasion, but they're already there anyway. But can you speak to how is that going to affect the, the Haitian people? And in particular, how is that going to affect the education system? We know what a 15-year in, uh, invasion by the United States created back in the beginning of the 20th century. We know that intervention by international forces introduced cholera into Haiti and that we lost at least 10,000 people to cholera, a disease that had been had not existed in Haiti, had not, it never existed in Haiti. And that was because of a introduction by UN forces. We know that there have been the rape of many women and the abuse of many young boys and men as a result of this intervention. We know that. What will come of a new intervention, I don't know. What I do know is what we are doing must proceed, regardless of what happens at that level. Um, the ransom, can you speak to you? Uh, can you speak to the ransom that Haiti has and has been uh, uh, basically forced to pay France and give a, a nutshell history of that? Absolutely. As I said, we get our independence in 1805. No other country recognized our independence. In 1825, France said, I will recognize you, Haiti, but you must pay me 150 million gold francs. And at that time, that represented 10 times Haiti's national budget. And it was on the threat of re-enslavement. We had just come out of a war of independence, and so the country was not in a position to refuse. In order to make that first payment to France, on the same boat that same warships that bought the, res the ordinance from the king to Haiti, two Haitian emissaries had to return to France and go to a French private bank and borrow that money. So from that point on, there was a double dent, the money that was owed to the government of France and then the interest and repayment to the private French bank of that 150 million uh, uh, gold francs. There was a reduction later on, but the bulk amount had to be repaid and only after more than a hundred years was the entire mountain paid after the United States intervened and took over in as a banking institution. And so Haiti continued to pay, but this time not to a French bank, but to the U.S. bank, which is Citibank Group. Where? How do you and your husband look at what's going on with Niger? How do the Haitian people look at what's going on with Niger, their relationship with in fighting off French colonialism in particular in the nuclear sector? But can you speak, how, what are you guys seeing from Haiti in that, in that? Haiti is a very internationally minded people. And so Haitians are looking at solidarity movements throughout the world and they see in the, in, this, in the liberation movies that are afoot now in, in Niger and the other countries, they understand. They understand the necessity for there to be autonomy, dignity, and self, and self, and autonomy. And so there was complete um, support for all revolutionary movements. Haitians are very concerned about what are, what's going on in Gaza because they understand what it means to be repressed. And so the Haitians are very much in solidarity with all of the movements that are in Levis because of our own history and of incredible suffering. How do people support the hospital and the university? Her, the Haitian Emergency Relief Fund and Haiti Action right here in the Bay Area have been 
two of our greatest supporters, and through them we've been able to expand our work, expand the reach of the university, and really start the construction of the, the hospital and be where we're at with the hospital. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. All right, that brings me to the end of tonight's show. Remember, check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show. I'll also post the links to the music videos uh, to the songs that we played tonight. Also, be sure to follow and like the First Voice Media on Facebook. That's First Voice Media on Facebook. And that's where we post live stream videos and a lot of other material that does not always make it to the radio. Big shout out to the production crew. Our executive director is Miss M. I, myself, B. Willen Franklin. I'm the technical director of this show, Full Circle, and I've also been your host for tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone. <laughs>